Welcome to the Simply Authentic Podcast with Angie and Tanya, where we strive to inspire, empower, and challenge you to be your most authentic self. We'll talk a little real estate and interview entrepreneurs, business and community leaders, and hear inspiring stories. Authentic Podcast. I'm Angie Mullins. And I'm Tanya Murphan. And in honor of Veterans Day this week, we wanted to do an episode focused on veterans and what they mean for our way of life. Wanted to say a very heartfelt thank you to everyone who has served and who is currently serving. Absolutely. So that leads us to our guest today. (laughs) We have with us CW4 retired Clifford Bauman. Welcome, Cliff. Hey, thank you for having me. You know, it's always, of course, I live in Virginia. I don't live in in Missouri. I used to a long time ago. Uh, so it's always fun to come back and visit family, and, and I, I just want to say appreciative of you uh, asking me to come on your podcast because, you know, being a veteran of 34 years, I uh, served in the military, uh, sometimes I think, you know, we forget about the veterans, yeah. you know, a mm-hmm. lot of times. Mm-hmm. And for me, I don't like being in the spotlight, even with my podcast and all the things that I do. Yeah. Um, I think it's I think it's okay, and I, and I say this on my podcast, is it's okay to let somebody thank you for your service, mm-hmm, right? Because mm-hmm. we have a hard time with that. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of veterans struggle with that. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes when you, when on Veterans Day, that you know, you go out and you say something to a veteran, you may not get a very positive right. response. Right, yes, yeah. I agree And I tell you. people, don't take that personally. Yeah. They just don't know how to react to that because they're not used to it. That's yeah. so interesting, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that you said that because very many times when I say thank you, I feel like they're embarrassed or they... Uh, you know, and and you're right. They probably just don't know how to how to how, how to respond. And, yeah, because I, yeah. I feel the same way. Yeah. Um. You know, you go to you know Starbucks or like I was at Freddy's today. Uh. Because we have Freddy's in Virginia, but not close oh, to do? where I live. Okay. Um. So when I come to Missouri, I I hit Freddy's a lot because <laughs> yeah. they got really great hamburgers yes. and. And I had they the jalapeno sure cheeseburger. Sorry, I went on tangent, but hamburger yeah. cheeseburger today. <laughs> but you know, when, but, you, but it is nice. So when you go out and, and you're at Starbucks or wherever, and, and somebody buys your coffee, yes, um, you know, mm-hmm. I usually say thank you. Sure. Uh, but a lot of times, I will buy the person's coffee behind me. Yeah. You know, and return return the favor. Yeah. But yeah. usually, it starts that. a conversation. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's the most important part. I think, I think for people who haven't served. They're appreciative, but they don't know how to start that conversation. Yeah. But it's the same way with veterans. You know, we, we have a different culture, a different thing mm-hmm. that we grew up in. I was in the military for a very long time. And sometimes it's hard for us not to be able to communicate that. And mm-hmm. I think it's just, you know, just know that sometimes veterans will talk a lot mm-hmm. and sometimes they won't. Sure. And and that's okay. And that's so if, right. if you say thank you to a veteran or you buy him something and you don't get that response you're looking for, I know how disheartening and upsetting that could be. Just know that they're probably coming from a, a place that they're just not comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. makes so much sense. I'm glad that you talked about that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So tell us about you. Let's get this started with people okay. knowing you're, you're 34 <laughs> years in the military. Yeah. So you also grew up here locally in mm-hmm. Aurora. I did. So give us a little bit of background. So um, I joined the military when I was 17 years old, went okay. to basic training uh, in between my junior and senior year. They call that split option. Um, so after I graduated um, high school, then I went to my AIT training, which is the job 
specific job that you can be doing in the military mm-hmm. and mine happened to be aviation so i've been okay. aviation so i was uh, maintenance aviation maintenance okay. and actually my older brother who's the retired superintendent from ozark chris ballman dr yes. ballman mm-hmm. uh, actually joined two years before i did so we always okay. had a competition going okay. so like we both wrestled in high school and i broke all of his records but one. Oh. and so he joined the guard went aviation and yeah. so then i had to join the guard and become aviation <laughs> so at one time in aurora at the guard unit there was two sergeant bombings and it was mm. me and him uh-huh. and then he decided to go uh the o grade the, the regular officer way mm-hmm. and i decided to become a warrant officer and if you don't know anything about warrant officers we're a, um, a, a, a technician in a certain field and mine was aviation okay. and we're, our officers are kind of generalized mm-hmm. um, so mine was specifically in this one job for aviation maintenance okay mm-hmm. got it um and so i was in the national guard you know just did the weekend thing two weeks that summer mm-hmm. well in 2000 um, I got a job offer to go to Washington, D.C. and work at National Guard Bureau, mm-hmm. um, active duty, Title 10. And so I took that job. Okay. And then, of course, you know what happened at 9-11. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at the Pentagon 9-11. Yeah. Um, I spent over 18 hours looking for victims after the attack. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, everybody that I had found um, was deceased. I didn't find anybody mm-hmm. alive. Mm-hmm. Um, story about that, my boss... Had he not come in 10 minutes late that day, I wouldn't be sitting here. Because really? I would have been right where the plane hit. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I think, and then, you know, um, well, I know we're going to get into this a little bit, but I'll get into it now. Um, you know, I had a hard time processing everything that I saw. I can't and, imagine. And, you know, and not to go in great detail, but, um, you know, when that plane hit, and a plane did hit the Pentagon. Yeah. So I'm going to, mm-hmm. because anytime I talk. People say, oh, there was a missile that hit the Pentagon. You know, is this? Yeah. You see the, the rumors, the conspiracy theories, sure. you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, I'm telling everybody right now, I crawled over a heck of a lot of plane parts for it not to be a yeah. plane and be in aviation. So yeah. it was yeah. a plane that hit the Pentagon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you go through and you see that, and you're not, you know, your brain doesn't really know how to process no. that. You know, and, and my, my hat's off to all the firefighters and policemen who deal with these things on a daily basis because mm-hmm. it's, it's really hard and tough. And, and I know, you know, the suicide rates in firemen and policemen are, are skyrocketing. Yeah. And, and I know what it's like not to be able to ask for help because when I started having issues and problems, I didn't know how to deal with it, my post-traumatic mm-hmm. stress, based on what I did at Pentagon. And so what did I do like so many people do is I started drinking. Mm-hmm. because I would drink to not to have the nightmares yeah. to remind me of what I was not able to do. And I felt a lot of guilt because I never found anybody alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so about a year later, um, the Washington Post had run, I think it was Washington Post or Washington, one of the Washington mm-hmm. papers, I don't remember exactly which one, mm-hmm. had ran an article and they had pictures of the victims. Well, one of the victims, I called over half for a body in Pentagon. Mm-hmm. That accelerated my downward spiral mm-hmm. um and that was september of 2002 fast forward december of 2002 i'm at my brother's house in kansas city he's at work and i don't know exactly what what caused me to feel that way but i've been drinking and i just got an overwhelming sense of guilt i didn't want to live no more because i'd been dealing with the stress at work mm-hmm. right i've been dealing with the stress of my family because i'm 1200 miles away and they knew something was wrong with me, but I couldn't articulate what was wrong with sure. me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I just, I just, I was just tired. I didn't want to deal with it no more, yeah. mm-hmm. you know. And so um, I wrote a note. Well, first of all, I looked for my brother's gun in his house and I couldn't find it. Um, thank God. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And we can talk about a project I worked on later um, about gun safety. But um, then I took a 22 sleeping pills. 
Uh, my brother, who's a nurse at Truman Medical Center, got a funny fielding and called his house, and I didn't answer. And he rushed home and saved mm-hmm. me. He rushed me to the hospital, and they were able to save me. Mm-hmm. So did your brother see signs in you? It, did you have any conversations with you? Did he, did he know, or was there just a feeling that came over him? It was, it was just a feeling that came over him. Okay. Mm-hmm. He just got that funny feeling at work, and, and you know, thank God that he, he saved me. And, and you know— when when you're recovering from that, and, and I woke up in the hospital, and I kind of I joke about this, but when I was coming out of the fog of all the medications and stuff they gave me, and the bright light like we have here in the studio mm-hmm. shining on your face, mm-hmm. for a split second I saw my brother's face. And I was like, thought he was God. I mean, it was just it was just mm-hmm. that kind of coming out of the fog. I was like, oh my God, my brother's God. You know, it's kind of yeah. funny. We laugh yeah. about that now, but it was at that moment that I realized. I need not to be, I was so worried about my military career, I was lying to my counselor and my therapist. Mm-hmm. I was very good at it. Mm-hmm. And so I was just trying to get the stamp that I was okay to go back to duty. Because back then, when you had medical issues, they just put you on six-day orders and kick you out. Now, I had mm-hmm. commanders that supported me getting help, so I was very thankful for that. Mm-hmm. But I still lied to get that check order. Well, after my suicide attempt, and now I'm leaving, because, you know, when you attempt suicide, you go stay in a state-run mental facility for three three days okay. to, to evaluate you make sure you're yes. not going to hurt yourself sure. uh, i'm gonna i'm i'm gonna say that there's a lot of people who have a lot worse problems than i have and i realized that when i was there got it and i that's people ask me all the time well what was that moment that you decided you needed to do something different mm-hmm. it was that moment yeah. is that moment being wearing nothing but a hospital gown sleeping on the floor locked up in that room with people that have way bigger issues than I had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when I left there, and I'm driving back to Virginia now and thinking about that, I said, well, I'm going to re-enter counseling for myself. Mm-hmm. And so then I was able to talk about you know, what I went through, why I was feeling the way I was feeling, because mm-hmm. I couldn't articulate it before. And it right. just felt like a big weight being lifted off my chest. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, when I go out and I talk to veterans or I talk to whoever I talk to, um, I always say that it's 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 important to find a therapist that you trust. For sure. It's important to t- be able to tell your story in a safe place, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But it's also important not to lie to your therapist because yeah, yeah. they can't properly treat you if you are lying about the symptoms you're having. Mm-hmm. I know that because it almost cost me my life. Right. And I think for veterans, and, and it doesn't matter when the PTSD happens, but whether you have PTSD from your military service, whether you have PTSD because you came up on a car wreck, whether you have PTSD from childhood right, there's trauma, many reasons, there's right? many reasons. Yes. Whatever triggers you at that moment comes back like the most vivid dream you ever had your entire life. Mm-hmm. And you're reliving it. It could be a smell. It could be a sound mm-hmm. of a twig sure. breaking. It could be the mm-hmm. wind blowing a certain way. Mm-hmm. It could be anything. And then how do you deal with those triggers right. when it comes? And I talk about all the time being aviation. you got to have all kinds of tools in your toolbox. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and being in aviation and what caused you to go down this downward spiral was a plane crash. Mm-hmm. So did that, um, the fact that, that, were you able to go back to your aviation job, I guess is where I'm yeah. going with that, because what caused this, brought this on was a, was a plane crash. Yeah, so it, because my aviation was helicopters, okay. but I didn't fly commercial for over a year after 9-11. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it did affect me, I, even though I, I don't want to think it did, but I avoid flying at all costs. Do you? Okay. Mm-hmm. So I think in some way, shape, or form, it did affect my psyche. So, And for I think sure. for a lot of people, you know, because 9-11 affected a lot of people, um, you know, I th- it, it had a profound effect. 
Yeah. You know, because, you know, even though I deployed in Operation Iraqi Freedom, 0608, okay. I had a completely different way of looking at war than I did 9-11. Hmm. You know, because my thing is, is when, when you ship off to war, anybody who's a veteran who's been to war, you're going to expect to see certain things that aren't good. And sure. so mentally you're prepared for that. Mm-hmm. What I saw at the Pentagon, I wasn't mentally prepared because the only thing this mother did wrong was go to work that day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. But And yeah. that's what I had a hard time processing. And that's such an interesting comparison for me to process because you're right. You went to war. You, you've been in another country fighting a war, and I'm sure you've seen things there that, you know, mm-hmm. you don't – you could talk about as well. But mm-hmm. to see what you saw in 9-11, it was a completely different landscape mm-hmm. of war. I guess. Yeah. Right? And it's something as Americans since Pearl Harbor we hadn't um, exactly. we had right. experienced. And, and, yeah. as, and as, as, as bad as the Pentagon was, I couldn't imagine being in, at the World Trade Center. Yeah. And yeah. that carnage there, I just yeah. I couldn't imagine. And, yeah. and what those firefighters and policemen and everybody went through yeah. there, I just I couldn't yeah. imagine. Have you, mentioning New York City and the World Trade Center, have you, through your, your studies and your speaking and your podcast, have you met people that experienced 9-11 there? I have. When we were doing the research with my book, The Mental Health Warrior, which, by the way, just came out September 12th this year. Yes. Um, we talk about not only my story in the book, but also other stories. Mm-hmm. Um, the friend of mine who wrote the book, Dr. Kramer, um, is a forensic psychologist, doctor mm-hmm. forensic psychologist. Mm-hmm. And he actually went out and viewed others who were at the Pentagon at the same time. Uh, and so you get a little bit dis- – it's also obviously sure. my story and the story of my life, but it also talks about other people who were affected and who were there at 9-11 mm-hmm. because, right. um, yes, I have. I've met pilots. Yeah. Um, I've met um, people who were on their ground, you know, obviously at mm-hmm. the Pentagon or at, at the World Trade Center. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was supposed to interview from for my podcast the gentleman that does the poly push. Um, I reached out to him, but mm-hmm. I waited till he got done with everything. I just hadn't had time yet to reach back mm-hmm. out to him about him coming on. Um, so, uh, you know, to answer your question, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. go into a little bit of the background afterwards. You talked about the moment that you saw there was a greater need than yourself mm-hmm. to, to spread the word. Tell us about the foundation that you've created and all the things that you have put in place to help not only veterans, but to help all of us with mental health. Yeah. So one, th- one thing I talk about is, um, about 12 years ago, the army, came up with a program called Master Resiliency Training. And this was training that people would go to to learn how to teach better coping skills to soldiers, airmen, sailors, whoever went to, everybody went to this course. And so it was during that time in that course that I publicly spoke about my suicide attempt, first time. And so we're at the, towards the end of class, it's University of Pennsylvania, we're there for two weeks, uh, going through the class, and I'm a, I'm a happy-go-lucky, laughy guy, right? I'm the guy that jokes around all the time, hey, let's go run here, let's go do that, let's go play trivia with the Ivy League, you know, kids, and uh-huh. I, I'm just that kind of guy. Yeah. I've never met a stranger, That's, my wife says I talk to everybody, uh-huh. uh, I just can't help myself. But, um, so... The Dr. Ravitch, who developed that program, asked me if I would talk about it at the end of the class, mm-hmm. at the end of the course, mm-hmm. and I did. And the response that I got had six soldiers come up to me, and they told me about their suicide. And they said, I never would have expected that coming from you. Mm-hmm. You know, because here they got to know me that. And right. so, yeah. Yeah. you know, I tell people this all the time. Mental health doesn't have a face. Mm-hmm. It right. can affect mm-hmm. any race, any creed, nope. mm-hmm. whether you're rich, yep. whether you're poor. Mm-hmm. It can yep. affect anybody. And so really from that point forward, it's kind of funny how 
things in the universe line up. And yeah. I've got into yoga, so I'll probably get into this big whole thing about yoga. But um, about six months later, VA um, had a campaign called Make the Connection. And I reached out to them about maybe going and doing a video. And so I did. Um, and so I drove from where I was at in Virginia up to Washington, D.C. because down south in, at Fort Eustis. And I was, at that time, the only active duty officer to publicly speak about my suicide attempt mental health. Hmm. Um, and so I went and made that video. And then since then, I've kind of made it my life's mission to help reduce the stigma associated with mental health and yes. knowing that it's okay not to be okay. Yeah, right. And it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to talk about things. Because here's yeah. the thing, you may not be suicidal, but if you don't have a way to let that off yeah. your chest, mm -hmm. you know, it could turn into something else. Sure. And so just having a safe conversation with somebody that you trust, especially for veterans, is very important. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then two years ago when I decided to retire out of the military, um, a friend of mine, uh, Nick, has the Veterans Trash Talk Network. And I went on mm -hmm. their show to promote my business as a speaker, as a motivational speaker. And he said, hey, what do you think about doing a podcast? And I never thought about that before. Mm -hmm. So that December, th uh, almost three years ago now, I, I started my podcast, The Mental Health Warrior. Mm -hmm. um, and on my podcast, we obviously, we cater to veterans, but I talk to all groups, you know, all facets of society because whether you're a child, and I have two children, I have a 19-year-old and a 9-year-old, um, whether you have somebody in the military or you've been in the military or not, it's going to affect you at some point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I try to cover um, everything uh, with my podcast because it's important. Yes. And it's important just like you, you ladies are here, have me come on your podcast during Veterans Day to talk about mental health and talk yeah. about the things veterans go on. Because, you know, we're losing too many, not only veterans, but we're losing too many children. Yeah. Yes, um, And Absolutely. these these children, uh, I don't know why how happened in society that, you know, when I was going through what I went through, it was. It took a process, a year, mm -hmm. to get to the point where I wanted to not live anymore. Yeah. These children would reach that in a second. Mm -hmm. yeah. And how do you stop that? Yeah. Because you know they say all the time, roughly forty-two seconds, somebody completes suicide, and f mm -hmm. every forty-three seconds, somebody for the rest of life wonders if they can't, if they could have done something different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's so many family members and coworkers and friends touched by suicide and and just from the struggle of depression and mental illness yeah. that we all we all feel strongly about this I think about speaking out and telling about it so talking about it yeah. making making it more <clears throat> mainstream I'm wondering you you hit it well you said that the people you worked with, no one really recognized that you had a problem mm -hmm. after 9-11. Even your brother when you went to stay mm -hmm. with them. And, of course, you weren't you weren't around him a lot. Are there things that, looking back, are there things that, that someone around you might have picked up on? Well, I know, well, <clears throat> first of all, when I was at work and I was drinking, people at work noticed a, a change in me, but not a suicidal change, mm -hmm. right? Okay. Um, and so I, because of that, I was command-directed to go into counseling. Mm -hmm. Um a couple of years ago, the Able Channel did a documentary on me, and, and they actually got to interview my brother. It's the first time he spoke about my suicide mm. in twenty years. <clears throat> and he said in that in that in that film, and you can you can go out the Able Channel and watch it. Um, it's like Surviving Suicide, ep Episode One, Season One. Um, he said that yeah, maybe there was just little signs, mm -hmm. but nothing big. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so people ask me, well, 
what do I do? And, and I'm like, well, if you just notice somebody's maybe a little bit quieter, mm-hmm. maybe uh, they're not talking as much, or, mm-hmm. or maybe they're, um, you can see expressions on their faces changes. There's right. little subtle things you can catch. And it may not be that they're suicidal. It may just be that maybe they're having a rough day. Maybe they're fighting right. with their spice. Mm-hmm. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, financially they're having issues today or mm-hmm. something. Um, and a lot of times it's just saying a kind word to somebody yeah. really yeah. can change their perspective of that day. And recognizing that they're just a little off. Hey, are you yeah. okay? Yeah. yeah. You know, everything okay with you today? Can I do anything? And Can I think we... that's a great point because yeah. I think we get too busy and we don't pay attention yes. to the people mm-hmm. around us sometimes. Or they think, yeah, you're just a little off today. But when it when it's a few days in a row or it's, you know, it's seems to be some consistency in that, that they're not quite themselves, then we need to start mm-hmm. asking the question. Well, even kids. Right, yeah. your children can. You know, teenagers can do it. Um, younger kids can do it. They come home, they're quiet. Maybe something bad happened at school, yeah. or, you know, one thing I always do at my house is is something we got away from is I don't we don't have electronics at the dinner table, mm-hmm. and we have a sit down dinner mm-hmm. because that way I can have a conversation on gauging how my family's day went. Right. You know, and right. even my young child can have a bad day, mm-hmm. um, and and same as junior. I mean, so yeah. and so if you don't have that then it's hard. And one thing parents need to realize is these kids are addicted to cell phones. Oh, yes. And the problem with that is is that the parents use that as a punishment. Mm-hmm. And that makes it even worse because mm-hmm. they are addicted to them. They're, this is the same as cocaine, as meth, as yep. whatever you want to talk about. Mm-hmm. It's the same. And so really, and I was talking with a, a lady today about this earlier today, um, you know, you really need to use the phone as a reward instead of as uh, as disciplinary. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I know with, you know, with Lloyd and everything, it's all about balance in life. And when something gets out of balance, you got to get it back in balance. Mm-hmm. Is you know, he would have his time on his iPad because he didn't have a cell phone, but he would have his time on his iPad. But then he also had time where he had to go outside and play. And then, of course, we're a big gamer family. We I play PS5. He has played please PS5. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father, when he was alive, would play you know the PS4, and mm-hmm. he would have apps on his phone. And we'd <laughs> he'd be here in Kansas City. We'd be out in Virginia. We'd all be playing the games together. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, it, it's just good to have that connection. And so I tell parents, even if you don't play the games, sit in the room and listen to them. Yeah. Because a lot of times when those kids are playing online games and they're playing, you know, Call of Duty, Fortnite, uh, of course I play Destiny, you know, Mortal Kombat, you name it. If they're playing with a group of their friends, they're talking about what went on that day. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to know what's going on in your child's life, That's a great listen yeah. to them playing their video game with yeah. their friends. Because I remember one time in junior, this is when Fortnite first came out. He was, I think he was in eighth grade. But his civics teacher actually put questions on the test that related it back to Fortnite. Uh-huh. And that's all these kids talked about for two days. Smart. Like, yeah. Oh, Mr. So-and-so, you know, but the, you know, and Smart. they just couldn't believe it. Yeah. But, it, yeah. but kudos to the teacher yeah. sure. to knowing what was going on yeah. Yeah. and to tie that back into his lesson. Yeah. 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 Brilliant. Yeah. Uh-huh. Amazing. Well, I love that tip and about the phone because you're right. And in, I had girls, so no boys playing video games, but girls <laughs> addicted to texting one another mm-hmm. and sending Snapchats once, a, you know, back and forth. But that oftentimes what we feel like is the solution is actually only making the potential depression or whatever is going on inside of them worse so i love that well because they feel like they have to hide it right and so one rule always had at my house uh, especially with junior he's 19 now but you know i had spot checks on his phone 
And yeah. he never knew they were coming. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I walk up and say, spot check, give me your phone. I only did it twice. I never found anything. <laughs> right. But he never knew it was good. But right, it was yeah. this, that. Yes. Yeah. You yeah. know, that, and, and, you know, hey, listen, parents, you got to pay attention to what your kids are doing too. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot yeah. of bad actors out there. Yes. You really need to know uh, what are they looking at? What are they seeing? You know, you be a parent. Yeah, right? yeah. It's all about being yeah. a parent. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you can make it fun. Yeah. It doesn't have yeah. to be, you know, hard or mean or terrible. It's just yeah. just make it a good balance and and you know, just pay attention to what your children are doing, whether they're playing on their phone or they're outside playing or yeah. something. Just mm-hmm. just know and because I've talked to way too many parents that's lost their children to suicide. Mm-hmm. And it, th- those are just sad, heart-wrenching stories. Um, a good friend of mine, uh, Linda Diaz, lost her daughter, Lauren. And Lauren was going to see, she changed the law in Maryland. And I'm going to talk about this because it's important. She was seeing the school counselor in Maryland. And and then she attempted suicide. Well, after her daughter's suicide, she started asking questions to the school. Well, come to find out, the counselor wasn't keeping up on her credentialing. And they were taking like knitting classes and cooking classes and not credentialing classes. And so she went in and changed the law to to Lorenz Law and to a now they're required to not only keep up on their credentialing but take, you know, um, suicide awareness training Mm -hmm. um, and things Mm -hmm. to make them more aware of what's going on. Mm -hmm. Well, what her daughter did is her daughter asked her mom to go to McDonald's and get her food and then hung herself. Mm. And then she come home and tried to revive her. Um, and so, Gosh. you know, it, it, you know, they always say it takes a community to raise a child, but also um, takes parents, being parents, because after the fact, yeah. you know, I'm not going to go you can go read about her story if you want, but there were signs there. She she was being bullied, not at school. She was being bullied by a family member, mm-hmm. you know, so it kind of went sideways. But anyway, yeah. um, it's just important that that you just take that moment to find out what's going yeah. on in your, mm-hmm. in not only your children's yeah. life, you know, of course, Veterans Day, I always talk about, you know, if you got that, that veteran, he's kind of gotten quiet or not really talking, you know, the Vietnam veterans right now losing, we're losing a lot of them, but a lot of them lost their buddies. A lot of them are yeah, alone. You sure. may have that guy that live in your neighborhood. He doesn't talk a whole lot. His grass has grown up. Go cut his grass. Yeah. yeah. You know, go yeah. see if they need something, yeah. you know, be a neighbor, be a friend, um, you know, and it just doesn't take that, that long to do that yeah. and it can make all the difference in somebody's life yeah. absolutely so how have you seen what you were doing impact others what have you seen happen in front of you that you can be proud to be carrying this torch um you know I, it's funny because i do a mental health minute every day mm-hmm. on my facebook page i'm across my social media so i do a little a little mental health minute and i just talked about this the other day because sometimes when you do what i do you don't get no you i don't get any results sure you know i don't mm-hmm. any tangible unless somebody comes up and says hey wow i saw your story you really right. inspired me you know a lot of times i just come in do my speaking events and leave yes well I, not just run out but you know i stay and visit with people so you really don't know but i think I think for me, it's just knowing that I'm having the conversations yeah. and starting the conversations and maybe getting people to think differently. You know, I just finished up a campaign with um, Safe Stories for, with the Ad Council and the Brady United. Um, and they were talking about gun locks. And their views on gun control are completely different than mine. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to start because it's important. And so during this thing, it, it was, was they did six stories, uh, the links on my website. You can go out and look at it, but the six stories they said, mine was one of them, is putting locks on all your, putting locks on your gun, mm-hmm. gun locks on the gun. But I said, well, 
you have to be careful with that because people who are responsible gun owners will take offense to it mm-hmm. because you're telling me if I have to lock up all my guns, I'm irresponsible. Mm-hmm. And you lose the argument. Yeah. And, and I said this when I recorded for the podcast and also on the, the thing, I said, well, as a responsible gun owner, I would say I want you to put your lock on that one gun. It's the one gun you shoot. It's the one gun you spent thousands of dollars of modifying. I want you to put the gun lock on that gun. Because I know that if you're in a moment of crisis, that's the gun you're going to. Mm-hmm. So if anything, if you're not feeling right or if you've been drinking or whatever, put that lock on that gun. Mm-hmm. Because hopefully if you get into that moment of crisis, going through the process of unlocking that gun will give you a moment of clarity mm-hmm. that you don't use it right. on yourself. Right. That makes sense. Right. You know, because, you know, a lot of people spend a lot of money on their weapons and yes, modifying it and permits and things. I you get bet. it. I understand it. Yeah, right. But to somebody who doesn't own a gun or doesn't have a gun, if they're going to say, you need to do this, mm-hmm. you lose the argument. Sure, and I don't want right. to yes, lose the argument. Yes, I want to change yeah. the conversation yeah. to Over have safety. people for yeah. safety. And it's also yeah. for kids. I mean, people, yes. you know, but responsible gun owners know I keep my ammo here. I have my weapons. They know that. They keep right. their kids responsible. I grew up guns my whole entire life. Mm-hmm. And we're here in Missouri and a lot of people got guns in Missouri yes. and a lot of responsible gun owners in Missouri. Yeah. We know what to do. So don't come at me and tell me that I need to do this because I'm right. doing it. But sure. If you say, if I'm in a moment of crisis and I need to put a lock on that gun for my own safety so I don't hurt myself, to me, I think that makes a better argument. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. I might be wrong, but I'm just saying. Yeah, Yeah. it's all about perspective, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, it kind of sounds like the military has come a ways from the the first days when, when... you said that had you admitted that you had a problem, that it that it might have been the mm. end of your military career. Can you talk about that a little bit about what what steps have been taken, how it's how it's gotten? Yeah, better? I, I think they they look at it um, completely differently now. And I think you know when a soldier uh, or somebody in the military is having issues and problems, they can go out and seek mental health now. Before, you know, it used to affect your clearance and used to do all kinds of things. All those rules have changed. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we're seeing now is a shift is to where the commander supports somebody asking for help, and they do. Is the individual soldier feeling that they're letting the team down by asking for help? And so mm-hmm. they're not reaching out ask for help. Gotcha. Um, and so, you know, just like in society, I mean, military is a reflection of society. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just knowing that it's okay, but having that person, you know, I tell, say this all the time, you know, don't be like me because I wasn't strong enough to ask for help. You know, at least pick up the phone, dial 988. You can text home to the crisis number, 748748, and just, you know, do something that I wasn't brave enough to do and ask for help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, that's the most important part of your message, I think. Yeah. So it being Veterans Week, tell us the pride that you have in calling yourself a veteran. Tell us what you've, what it's given you over your life. Um, I, I think to me it was just a sense of giving back. Yeah. You know, I had a lot of relatives that, you know, uh, were in the military and served in the military. And I think for me, becoming from a military family, it was just something that um, that was drawn to me. Yeah. You know, and just the, the ability to get out of small town Missouri and go see the world. You know, tell yeah, people, yeah. All this, get out of your four county area. 
Yeah. There's a whole big world out there, and there's a whole bunch yeah. of people. And, and I went from a war Missouri town of 6,000 people to living in Washington, D.C. You yeah. want to talk about a culture shock. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> For sure. You know, it's, yes. it's funny because when we used to, we had a relatives who lived in Kansas City, so we would leave a war and go up to Kansas City. I was like, oh, my God, traffic's so bad. It's so terrible. Uh, so bad. Well, now when I come back from being in D.C. for 20-some-odd years, yeah. Kansas City seems like a war. Yeah. You know, yeah. It seems yeah. like yeah. this little bitty town. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's great. Well, we want you to be able to promote your book again and your podcast. Tell us how our listeners can find those. Sure. Things. It's uh, super easy. You can just go out to my website, cliffordbauman.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can receive links to uh, all my things, my podcast, to all the, the different campaigns and things I work mm-hmm. on. I do I do quite a bit. Um, but also, if you don't want to go to my website, if you go to my website and order the book, I'll personally autograph it. Um, but it's also available on Amplify.com. That's the publisher who publishes the book. And But also, you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, okay. and just wherever you buy books. Okay. Awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Cliff, we thank you for your service. Yes. And thank we you. thank you for being with us today and telling your story. Very brave and courageous to tell others and to go on a mission to make the world better. Yes. Angie and I are all about that. Absolutely. So. Thank you so much. And thanks again to all of you out there who have served and are currently serving. A quick thank you to our um, pro, um, our what producers. Are those producers. 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 That's what they are. Production team. <laughs> <laughs> we love being here at Gershman and we really appreciate you. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Simply Authentic Podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Be sure to listen to us on your favorite podcasting app.